Sup, you beautiful bastards. Welcome back to The Philip DeFranco Show. I hope you had a fantastic Tuesday. I hope if you watched yesterday's show, you have now emotionally recovered from finding out that I did not put clickbait in the title. It happened. My home office still very much smells like pickles. Also, a quick side thing. I loved that almost all of you universally loved that moment and that episode, but it also made me sad because I saw a number of people and it was primarily women saying, oh my God, if my ex-husband, if I did that to my ex-husband, he would have pushed me off my lap and it made me so sad. I mean, one, I'm happy that there is an ex in that but two, the whole point, like not the whole point, like getting married, yes, you want to find someone you love and you care about and you can see a life with, but you also want to see someone that you can <laughs> with till the day you both die. But with that said, we have a lot to talk about, so hit that like button, otherwise I'll absolutely punch you in the throat and let's just jump into it. And first up today, we have two of the most requested stories that are very different, but also involve airplanes, freakouts, and backlash. And it starts exactly where you think it's gonna start. Some in-flight, unhinged, anti-mask insanity, this time thanks to Las Vegas man, Timothy Armstrong. And according to reports, in addition to Timmy growling like a dog, he yelled at staff. Also, he kept screaming, Joe Biden. Also, the passenger who filmed this wrote in their caption, after asking him to calm down, the man went into a complete meltdown of racist, sexist, and belligerent comments, culminating in his arrest at the gate. We were lucky to have such a well-trained crew who kept their cool throughout the flight. Also writing on Facebook that Tim verbally targeted an Asian woman, saying that she and her companion didn't belong here. Tim then reportedly being named by Salt Lake City Police and cited for public intoxication and disorderly conduct. Now, with all that said, obviously we're gonna have to wait to see what happens to good old Timmy here, but in the meantime, Timmy, I wanted to give you this award, this trophy for our douchebag of the day. Enjoy it. But like I said, surprisingly, not every story involving an airplane and controversy involves masks. And instead, this time, the story involving allegations of weight discrimination and the policing of female bodies. And this, after a passenger by the name of Raylan Howard, who's a rapper and a TikToker known by the name Fat Trophy Wife, got kicked off an Alaska Airlines flight. In the video, you see police escorting her off the plane before asking her what happened while she was on board. Howard explaining that she was initially wearing a sports bra on the flight when an attendant asked her to put a shirt on, which she then did. And then they approached me again, saying that I can't wear this, my stomach is showing, and it's inappropriate. And I said, I'm covered up, I'm fine. And she just kept going. And I said, if you're gonna kick me off, like, then kick me off. I've done what you've asked me to do. I want you to leave me alone. That was the third time they approached me. With other TikToks that she posted giving a better look at what her outfit actually looked like, both with and without the shirt added, which prompted a lot of people to come to her defense, arguing that she was discriminated against because of her weight. Now, as far as the police getting involved, they have said that she is not in any criminal trouble, but they also pointed to the fact that Alaska Airlines does have their own dress code. Still, Howard said that she looked up the policy and she believed she didn't violate it because according to Alaska's website, its dress code is casual and the requirement is simply a neat and well-groomed appearance. Clothing that is soiled or tattered and bare feet are never acceptable. But with it ultimately saying that it's vague for a reason, you're expected to use good judgment, but customer service agents will have the final authority to refuse travel for inappropriate attire or appearance. But even with that, since this has gone viral, the airline has tried to do damage control by telling reporters that it is reaching out to Howard to try to make this right. With Howard later posting, they gave me my money back for my three seats and then tried to compensate me for the situation by offering me a discount code to use on a future purchase. Right, and so with the debate this has sparked, which by the way, I would love to know your thoughts on this. We've also seen many people comparing this story to another making headlines this week involving a thin blonde woman who walked through an airport in a bikini and a face mask. Right, and while it's unclear what airline this woman was actually flying, if she made it on board, if she made it on board, was she still dressed this way, prompted many people to argue that the reactions both at the airport and online would have been different if she had not been conventionally attractive. And then, you know, let's talk about a topic that's been in the news a lot lately. You got money, debt, and student loans. That's where we're gonna start. 
Pixar. That specifically has been a major point of discussion over the last few years, especially since the pandemic. And over the last few weeks, President Biden has made headlines for erasing student debt for certain groups. Right at the end of last month, he canceled $5.8 billion for student loan borrowers with a total and permanent disability, as well as $1.1 billion for defrauded borrowers, bringing his total debt cancellation to $9.5 billion since taking office. And while many cheered this move, saying, We did it, Joe. Others have noted that he's only canceled 0.6% of the $1.7 trillion in accumulated student debt. With Business Insider explaining, if this continues at the same pace, Biden will be on track to cancel about 4.8% of total student debt by the end of his term. Which is why many have argued that Biden is failing here. He is falling short of his campaign promise to reform the student loan system and forgive $10,000 in student debt per borrower. Now that said, Biden supporters have noted that his administration has made significant efforts on this front. Right, things like reversing a Trump-era rule that prevented borrowers who had been defrauded by for-profit universities from accessing forgiveness that they were eligible for, as well as waiving administrative hurdles for borrowers with disability. And while the administration is still working towards broader forgiveness, Biden has said that he doesn't have the legal power to cancel student debt unilaterally without authorization from Congress and urging Democratic lawmakers to act. But on the other side here, and I'm not even talking about the Republicans, key Democratic leaders like Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer called bullshit, arguing that Biden does in fact have the power to forgive debt, calling on him to erase $50,000 per borrower. But at the same time, you have other leaders like House Speaker Nancy Pelosi saying, no, Biden is right. He does not have the ability. But a big part of the reason that we're talking about this, a big part for the increased pressure is that the U.S. is getting closer and closer to a massive cliff. I'm talking about the expiration of loan relief benefits that were put into place during the pandemic. Where for the last year plus, around 40 million borrowers have been exempt from mandatory federal payments, interest rates, and collection on loans in default. While those protections have been extended under both Trump and Biden, they are set to expire at the end of this coming January. And there is reportedly very little political will among Republicans in Congress to extend the benefits again. And then I wanna talk about something with you that I've wanted to talk about for three months now, but I wanted to wait to get more data to back up what I was talking about. I didn't wanna just use my own anecdotal experience. You watching and listening right now, if you are someone that only uses debit cards and because of that you have no credit, maybe you have bad credit, or maybe you don't even know what the hell your credit score is, please listen to this. Right now, while I'm talking, maybe on another device, maybe in another tab, go to cred.ai or more specifically cred.ai slash fill, which for transparency sake, I am an investor in this company. If you sign up, I will benefit, but I also 1000% believe that you will greatly, greatly, greatly benefit yourself. You know, I have personally said no to so many card offers that have come across my table because they're just built around taking advantage of regular people. Like I don't want to attack any other individual creators that are out there right now pushing other cards, but a lot of those cards really don't do much. There's a reason why they're able to give away like hundreds of thousands of dollars in giveaways. And that's why I was so excited when I found and then did a deep dive into Cred AI. It's new, which is why you might not have heard about it before, but there is a reason that some have referred to it as the Tesla of banking, why some have said that it feels like having a debit card with superpowers in your pocket. Simply put, this is the best everyday spending card on earth. It is the debit card killer. Right, with other cards called premium features, it's the baseline for Cred. 55,000 free ATMs at your disposal, and no bullshit, you'll never pay interest, you'll never pay fees. Hey, you set up direct deposit, you can actually get your money early. But then upping it a notch, let's talk about security. You can block and ban individual merchants in app. Maybe you have that uh, that gym that you, you canceled, but they keep trying to charge you. Boom, be done with it. And maybe you're someone that has trust issues. I get it. Maybe you're making a purchase from a, a new place or a place you just don't want your information or your name in their database. Use their stealth card. It's a second virtual card that you can make use it for one-time purchases, then blow it up, never use it again. Or maybe it's your monthly free trial card. I don't know, I'm not you, you can know how to use it best. But in my opinion, the absolute biggest thing, the biggest benefit I think for you, it is partially in the name cred, credit. I will let you know as someone that yes, does have my shit together now, 
Credit is so immensely important in your life. When we talk about invisible ceilings in life, credit is a huge one. I couldn't even get a credit card until I was in my 30s. There's so many things in your day-to-day life where credit checks are necessary, uh, whether it be something like you're just trying to rent or you're trying to buy a car, or maybe further down the road you want to get a mortgage, get, get your own house. Well, I got to see what it did to my credit. That's anecdotal. I wanted to see what it actually did for regular people. So I told them, before I launch, I want you to do a study. And they found that based on those who signed up for Credit AI in spring of 2021, that non-credit card users and debit card only type people had an average increase of about 90 fucking points. With some people seeing increases as high as 190 points. And keep in mind, that's just after 60 days. Think of what happens after normal use, six months, a year, just it, it becomes a part of your life. Now, in this world, there are so many systems that are meant to keep you down. Do not let credit be one of them. It's something that's avoidable now, and it makes me so happy that I found these people that hate the industry, but also are smarter than me and figured out how to do it. So yeah, if at this point you still have not done it, please go to cred.ai slash or hey, Fuck me, you can go to cred.ai. I won't get the credit for it, but it's still for you. I know it can, and I hope it helps. And hey, at the very least, after you sign up, you get this dope-ass metal black card. You got some places that'll charge you like $500 a year just for the privilege, and this you get for free with signing up. Then in what feels like our monthly, why are people accusing one of the Paul brothers of being a scammer news, let's talk about crypto. Right, and so if you haven't seen, Logan Paul, like many other celebrities right now, getting very involved in the NFT space. Logan Paul specifically launching a big crypto NFT project called CryptoZoo, describing itself as an autonomous ecosystem where users can buy, sell, and trade exotic animal hybrid NFTs. They can see some of these animals online, but according to YouTuber CoffeeZilla, who has uncovered a lot of influencer crypto controversies, these little animals are not as original as they claim to be. With him slamming the integrity of the images in a series of tweets saying, Logan Paul taking Adobe stock photos and photoshopping a nose on for his crypto art has a familiar energy. Don't support this clown project. My guy is literally ripping off stock photos and their admin Ben Roth is lying about it in the Telegram. With him sharing an alleged screenshot of a Telegram message where Ben Roth responds to someone accusing them of using stock images with Roth saying that they are not Adobe stock photos and are created and specifically designed by their team. But you had CoffeeZilla then linking to an Adobe source for a panda image, then doing a compare and contrast photos for multiple examples. With them also highlighting some of the legalese in their fine print that could allegedly screw people over if anyone wants to sue over a potential scam. Right, this among other alleged red flags, but finally, CoffeeZilla says that even despite all this, Logan allegedly made $1.3 million in Ethereum, selling crypto zoo eggs in just one day. And ultimately, for those that were sending this story to me saying, Phil, what are your thoughts? I have no idea. Here's my view of the NFT space. I believe you have your true believers, your hustlers, and your skeptics. I personally am a believer, but I'm also incredibly skeptical, especially when you have anything that is heavily celebrity pushed. It's my belief that 98% of NFT projects and NFTs are essentially going to be worthless in a few years. But I don't go out there voicing that a lot because there are a lot of artists who have been underpaid historically that are getting their bag right now. And I go, yeah, great for you. But we've also witnessed celebrity cash grab after celebrity cash grab. I believe that NFTs have a future if you're able to throw in utility and that utility can extend. But I also know a ton of people who have made a ton of money dabbling in the speculation game. So who am I to say anything? My ultimate advice for crypto, and I'll extend that to NFTs, is I think you should only throw money into this if you are comfortable with that money going away. It may multiply and make cute little money babies, but it also may find a new home in someone else's pocket. Hey, what are your thoughts on this project, specifically the NFT space in general, and has your opinion remained the same or changed over the past few months? And then let's talk about Texas because a lot of news coming out of Texas, also kind of adjacent fallout following the abortion law that passed there recently. Or because among other things that we're seeing, you have a number of groups, businesses, and parts of the government now taking deliberate steps to undermine the law. Things like last Thursday, you had the dating app Bumble announcing that it's created a relief fund for people seeking abortions in the state. Same day, the CEO of Match Group telling her Texas-based employees that she would personally create a fund for both them and their dependents to help cover the additional costs incurred from seeking out-of-state care. Also, you had both Uber and Lyft making commitments to pay 100% of the legal fees for any drivers who get sued under the law, which is actually a huge aspect of what can actually happen now. Because under the law, which is considered 
considered one of the most restrictive of any U.S. state. You can actually be sued for aiding and abetting an abortion simply by driving someone to get the procedure. Also, in addition to those businesses, we've seen the Satanic Temple, which, for the record, doesn't actually worship Satan, giving pro-choice advocates a reason to join. That because it recently filed a letter asking the FDA to allow its members legal access to the abortion pill, arguing that its status as a non-theistic religious organization should ensure access to abortion as a faith-based right. With the Temple's co-founder saying, the battle for abortion rights is largely a battle of competing religious viewpoints, and our viewpoint that the non-viable fetus is part of the impregnated host is fortunately protected under religious liberty laws. Also, moving to the political front, uh, and actually unexpected political news, you reportedly have the city of Portland planning to hold a vote tomorrow on whether to ban trade and travel with Texas until the law is overturned. Though, to be clear here, citizens wouldn't actually be barred from going to Texas. The law would just make it so that state employees could not go there for business trips. Right, but then finally, and this is kind of the, the biggest as far as the government or a political response, with Attorney General Merrick Garland now saying that the Justice Department is exploring all options to challenge the law, and saying that until then, he pledged to protect Texas clinics that come under attack and adding, we will not tolerate violence against those seeking to obtain or provide reproductive health services, physical obstruction, or property damage in violation of the FACE Act, which is a federal law that prohibits the use or threat of force, as well as the physical obstruction of a person involved in reproductive health services. But with all that said, as controversial as this law has been for many, it's also been praised by Republicans. In fact, as I talked about that you should expect, Republicans in at least seven other states have now suggested changing their abortion laws to mirror that of Texas, with many more copycat bills, of course, likely to follow. However, you have House Speaker Nancy Pelosi pledging to call a vote later this month on legislation that would give Americans the right to abortion under federal law. Though, as I have to mention every time we talk about potential legislation, because of the filibuster, because of the Senate, it is very unlikely that this would actually pass. But ultimately, that's where this story is right now. These are the efforts we're seeing in the coming days. We're likely going to see more news breaking, right? And wherever you land on this, this is not a fight that's going away anytime soon. And I actually mean that in multiple ways, right? Yes, I'm talking about the legal aspect of this woman actually having access to these services or not. But also we're seeing a bit of like a societal business, some would say a free speech aspect of this story. Right, this past Saturday, seeing things like John Gibson, CEO of the video game developer Tripwire, going and doing very much the opposite of Bumble, Match, Uber, and Lyft. Instead, voicing his support for the law, saying on Twitter, proud of the U.S. Supreme Court affirming the Texas law banning abortion for babies with a heartbeat. As an entertainer, I don't get political often, yet with so many vocal peers on the other side of this issue, I felt it was important to go on the record as a pro-life game developer. And well, of course, with a divisive issue like this, there were people that supported him. It also led to immediate backlash, with people in his industry like God of War game director Corey Barlog responding. Really? You are all about this fuck Texas bounty law that pushes us closer to some kind of Gilead dystopian religious state? Really? I mean, what the fuck, man? Seriously, how could anyone be proud of claiming dominion over a woman's personal freedoms? Even more notably, at Shipwright Studios, a major development partner of Tripwire, also tweeting, while your politics are your own, the moment you make them a matter of public discourse, you entangle all of those working for and with you. And going on to say, we cannot in good conscience continue to work with Tripwire under the current leadership structure. We will begin the cancellation of our existing contracts effective immediately. With this then leading to yesterday evening where Tripwire itself responded, saying in a statement posted on Twitter that Gibson had now stepped down as CEO of the company. With them adding that Gibson's comments are his own and do not reflect those of Tripwire Interactive as a company. And saying his comments disregard the values of our whole team, our partners, and much of our broader community. Our leadership team are deeply sorry and are unified in our commitment to take swift action and to foster a more positive environment. Then in, oh, what a fantastic headline to read after millions of American parents and myself dropped our kids off at school this morning, new cases of COVID-19 are continuing to surge in the United States. Flooding hospitals, threatening school years, and according to new reports, the average weekly number of cases in the U.S. right now is 300% higher this Labor Day compared to last Labor Day, with 1.146 million cases reported over this past week and compared to 287,000 reported in 2020. And on top of that, the average deaths were more than 86% higher in comparison. And of course, following the Labor Day weekend, you have experts saying we may see a new high point in about two weeks. Which is why with this, as we've seen many times before, we've seen experts urging more vaccines 
vaccinations. With people like the Associate Dean at Brown University's School of Public Health saying, here's the important thing. Everyone that I'm hospitalizing is not vaccinated. We are, by and large across the country, not needing to hospitalize people that have gotten both doses of the vaccine. This is a disease of the unvaccinated right now. And that is essentially where this news and this story ends because yes, well, while there is an aspect of the, the president's chief medical advisor, Dr. Anthony Fauci saying, hey, there's 75 million unvaccinated. We could really turn the tide if we get a majority of that 75 million to get vaccinated. My reaction to that news is, yeah, and it would be really awesome if I could fly, but I, I really don't think we're gonna see either of those things happen. I truly don't believe that in this country, we're gonna get to the percentage vaccinated that Fauci and others would want. You know, because we're so many months in and you still have such a large portion of the country unvaccinated, it feels like we have a healthy amount of people out there that are moving to the headspace of, well, okay, let, let's move on. Let's just focus on down the road boosters for those that have made clear that they're comfortable getting the vaccine. And yeah, that's where I'll leave it. It's just an exhausting topic and it feels like uh, it's impossible to deal with the uh, the constant fire hose of misinformation that's gonna keep people locked in. But ultimately with this story or really anything else to ask you today, I'd love to know your thoughts in those comments down below because yes, this is a news show, but it's also a conversation. With that, I once again wanna say thank you for watching, liking the videos. If you're new here, hit that subscribe button. For everyone, look at the top link down below or just go to cred.ai slash fill and sign up. You will not regret it. It could sound like a bad commercial, but your tomorrow can start today. You just gotta make the choice. But with that said, my name is Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow.